I'm Mike Breen with the American Mathematical Society. I'm talking with Mary Silber, who's at the University of Chicago in the Department of Statistics. And we're talking about work she's done uh, understanding and describing uh, vegetation bands in uh, arid climates. Uh, so Mary, uh, tell us about your work with the, these bands. Yeah, so, um, so my background, I'm a dynamical systems person interested in pattern forming PDEs and um, mainly came from, you know, fluid dynamics applications. And then at some point I wanted to get, start working on applications that were relevant to climate change. Okay, so this was, this interfaced with work I was doing with the Math and Climate Research Network. And um, this work on pattern formation in semi-arid ecosystems or arid ecosystems really fit nicely with that interest in climate change and also building on my expertise. Um, and there were people doing that modeling already. And so I sort of just jumped on that uh, bandwagon and I've really enjoyed it and have had an opportunity to um, mentor students in that area. I think they, they find it attractive too. Uh, and uh, so I, so I don't know if I answered the question. No, well, you did for sure. And you mentioned fluid dynamics now. Uh, so that, I, I assume in terms of what math is involved, there's a lot of partial differential equations. Uh, am I right? And are there other things too, other areas? Okay, so the, the models typically are in terms of partial differential equations, but the actual approach that we take is from bifurcation theory. So, um, so it's dynamical systems perspective on PDEs. And so we're interested in, you know, um, instabilities of basic states. So in the uh, pattern formation context for these PDEs, they would be kind of trivial solutions that are maybe just um, space independent, spatially uniform, sort of the really boring solutions. And then looking at how those might become unstable to the formation of patterns. So it's an example of symmetry breaking bifurcation. So we're using tools from bifurcation theory or bifurcation theory in the presence of symmetry to look at these. So I would say it's the mathematics is partial differential equations from this dynamical systems perspective. And there is also a certain amount of um, mathematical modeling and thinking about what are the time scales and spatial scales. And in these um, ecosystems, there can be just a huge disparity in the time scales and in the spatial scales that we're thinking about. And, so we're interested in um, developing approaches that exploit that space and time scale separations. Uh, and so now you mentioned climate change and I'm, I'm thinking, thinking about these being in arid or semi-arid climates and, and really, you know, you see the bands and you say, well, you know, they're really hanging on there. There's not, you know, they're right on the edge of, and you were interested in tipping points. So is that how you got interested in it? And is that why the bands are important? They're kind of a, a canary in the coal mine, you might say? Right. So that's, that's been the perspective that, that people have um, promoted that, and it's like really appealing 
on the one hand, this idea that these large-scale structures that you could monitor from satellites, like the, the images that I gave you are just you know, going on Google Maps or something and getting them. So one could imagine monitoring them for, for changes. And maybe you're right that those changes in, in the patterns might indicate uh, uh, that we're close to a, a collapse or a tipping point where the ecosystem just completely collapses. Um, I think that the, the thing that's challenging with this is that is humans, I think, is the, is the challenge. Um, okay, so we're causing the climate change, but also we're um, interfering with the with the landscape. So in some of our work, what we found is that the patterns did not change at all over 50 years. You know, I showed you images where it looks identical to the aerial photographs from the 40s. Today, it's indistinguishable. We also found um, examples where it had been destroyed, but it was not destroyed by, the by a climate change, but by, by it, the, you know, people sort of harvesting it. You know, a lot of these patterns in the regions we've been looking at are really vulnerable locations, you know, where there's famine and, and war and, you know, uh, and poverty, you know, where people are cutting it down and replacing it. So that, those kinds of things are not in the mathematical models. You know, so I think either one could say it's just a beautiful example of pattern formation on a huge scale, you know, which I think is valuable and, and, a, and a wonderful thing to study. Um, whether it will tell us something about how to do better land management or exploit these kind of scales that the system has evolved to you know, the system does not have enough water and somehow it's figured out a strategy on its own of how to harvest that limited resource. Sometimes people refer to them as kind of like ecosystem engineers. They figured out how to, how to, how to manage this, you know, that um, in some kind of possibly optimal way. Maybe it's not optimal, I don't know, but, but it's got a strategy, but could we understand that and come up with land management strategies based on that? I don't think we're at that stage. And I think that um, using the patterns to say, oh my gosh, we're about to collapse. I, I also think we're not at a point of being able to do that. So, so there's a lot to know so about So those these. motivations are there. It's inspiring. Yeah, there's a lot to know. And um, yeah, and the timescales are really long. So it's not <laughs> something that you could ask a graduate student to sort of make a prediction and be able to see it in their lifetime. These are, these are plants. Things are happening on a long time scale. And, and so you've mentioned. In fact, my PhD students who worked in this area and got really excited about the data. Um, and he ended up switching after he got his PhD to working in microbial ecology because he wanted to have controlled experiments on reasonable time scale. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
so, so Mary, thanks for filling us in on this. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, no, I, I think I think I hopefully conveyed enough about the type of mathematics we're using and some of our motivations for doing it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's beautiful. So I hope that people who hear about this go and look at it, you know, just go on their desktop, you know, on their laptop and go look in these regions sort of on the border of Ethiopia and Somalia and look at, at the vibrance of patterns on a earth scale. Mm -hmm. And I guess the only other thing is that if anybody knows um, something that's going on on the ground, I would love to hear from them. Oh, so so someone who, who lives around there? They're reaching people that live in the Horn of Africa and say like, oh, okay, I know about this, you know, and what's going on. Um, they should write me a letter. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be happy to hear from them. I would be happy to hear from them, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Mary, thanks very much. That's Mary Silver. If you want to write her a letter, she that's Mary Silver at the University of Chicago, and uh, and she you know is trying to figure things out. So she, if you do have information, uh, definitely get in touch with her. And Mary, thanks very much uh, for for talking with us today. Okay. Thank you.